Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. So why are y'all so scared about paper, by the way? Who, who hated writing um, essays and papers in school? All right, lots of trauma. Because see, for me, I told Pat, I said, I see this paper and it's beautiful. It is, it is clean, it is fresh. I, I got a little nostalgia this, this year because I miss having kids in school. I miss buying school supplies. Am I the only person that loves that? And I love that we help our, our school by giving money, but I can't even go buy supplies to give the school even. Like, I, I seriously wanted to just walk through the school aisle this year because I love the smell of fresh crayons. I'm weird. I know. I got it. But I do. There's just something about that smell of fresh, clean crayons, and you know they're crisp, and you just can't wait to open it. There's something about new notebooks. There's nothing that gives my heart more joy than a, a journal when I first open it and that blank page. Yeah. So I see this and I get excited. And I used to, I'm, I'm, I'm the freak in the crowd. I used to like to write research papers and essays and it, I, I loved it. I loved it. So sorry. So your homework today is, I want a, a full report on um, paraphrasing what the sermon is about today, and you can turn it in next week. No, okay, just kidding, just kidding. Who remembers, though, when you were young, learning to write correctly on paper? Like, we started out with Miss Pat, and we learned our ABCs on all the little dotted lines, and, you know, we had to learn, right, to keep it between the blue lines, Right? And for some of us girls, that always was hard because we wanted to do those curly cues and the, you know, there's something about old school handwriting we don't have anymore in kids. Like, I love Miss Sue Sullivan's handwriting because she still has old school cursive, like, it's still perfectly correct, like... I'm, I'm what you call a handwriting klepto person. Like I see something on somebody else's handwriting and I, without thinking, will integrate it into my own. But Miss Sue just has that, like, I see her handwriting and I can remember all those lessons we used to have to get all your little curls, make sure it's slanted the right way, all that stuff. So, so we learn first, keep it between the blue lines. And then as we got older, we got introduced to this paper. And then what did we get taught? Keep it between the red lines. Then all of a sudden we had a starting place and a stopping place. And with all my teachers sitting in here, y'all should have came up. I should have had y'all come up and give us writing lessons today. Because Lord knows there are some people in here that need some writing lessons. I just, I can't lie. I'm standing on the stage. I can't lie. Sometimes I do get notes and it takes me a while to, okay, okay, I think I know what this is. I had an aunt. Anybody got an aunt like I used to have that it took us hours to translate what she was writing? She lived out in California, so when she'd write, Mama would be like two pages. And then it was like, I have no idea what Aunt Gladys just said to us. Like, I don't even know. So we had these, these lessons. We learned to keep it between the lines and the blue. Then we had to learn there's these red lines. And I used to hate it because I'm like, yeah, okay, so sort of there's a red line, but it really isn't there, by the way. It's on the other side. No, that's, that's where you stop. 
These were our margins that we had to keep clean, right? How many rebels do I have in here that used to sneak past that red line over there? Yeah, look at them three boys. Three troublemakers, four troublemakers in the back. Look at them. How am I not surprised? Oh, my goodness. And, and, and me being a, a, a control freak, that was just like a brick wall being there. I couldn't write past that red line. Like, thank goodness for hyphens, right? Oh, I was so glad when we learned to hyphenate a word because I didn't want to waste space, right? And probably the only times that we truly, honestly, troublemakers will know about this, that you truly honestly stayed in between those lines was when that teacher said, give me a three-page report and you want it to stretch it out as far as it could go. Right? Then all of a sudden, I bet there was perfect spacing between those words, right? And you could not pass the red line. Oh, we need another sentence down here, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the words got bigger too. All of a sudden, you could read your handwriting because they got so much bigger. Well, when I was going through and researching all those products and how things were made and the different things, you know, uh, we talked about sticky notes last night. Who did I change the way you think about sticky notes all week long every time you reached for one? Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I told him in our Bible study the other day, I was like, I, I'm so glad that Art Fry kept losing his marker in his hymnal because now we have post-it notes. So did y'all like your letters this week? That was a very good idea until I had to sit down and write 60 prayer sticky notes out. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, some things seem really cool in our head. So when I was doing this research on how things are created and just some of the fun facts about things that are created, one of the fun facts there was, was why we have margins around our paper. It wasn't to terrorize us. (laughs) It wasn't to make school hard. Actually, in the olden days, they did this to help conserve your work. Because there was this thing called mice. And mice loved to eat paper. You know that, right? Like, we still have that issue, right? If you've got a mouse in your house, what do they want? They're going to shred whatever paper they find. So if your book is laying there or your your paper is laying there, where is a mouse going to start? He he don't just start in the middle. He's not like us eating PB&J. He don't go to the middle first. He he had a mama like Reba Jenkins who you started on the ends and you worked all the way across, right? That was a thing in the Jenkins house. It was a serious thing. But mice would eat the paper, and if there was a margin left around your work, hopefully you would figure it out before they got to the important stuff. Interesting. So the margins of our notebooks and papers, one of of the reasons it's there was to protect it because the mice would come and eat I'm thinking, somebody show them a mousetrap. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Forget the margin thing. But I taught a couple of years ago. Some of you may remember this. I taught a series by Craig Rochelle called Margins. I don't know if y'all remember this. It was when we had our Sunday school there in my room. We did our little breakfast club or whatever um, back when I had time to cook. (laughs) And one of the definitions that we used of what margin was, the amount available beyond what is necessary. So margin is the amount available 
around those edges beyond what is necessary. What does margin look like in our life? How many of you, if I ask, how many of you would say, I'm pretty stressed often? So like, you know, money, finances, how many of you are pretty stressed? Um, Schedules to do things, yeah. How many of you with relationships? Stress. Okay, I've got a mental note of who needs counseling now. (laughs) And it's going to be the rest of you for lying, by the way. All right? The ones that didn't raise hands. Those of you that did, you're doing good. You're honest and you're good to go. No, what margin looks like in our life. So if, you know, because we live in a culture today that pushes us to our limits. It always has, but it's just increasingly got worse. And so we live in this culture that pushes us to do everything. So what does margin look like if, it, if, if we really had it in our life? It would mean that we arrive five to ten minutes early to whatever our appointment is. And then we're not feeling so stressed to slam a mask on our face and get in the door and get in there and get checked in at the doctor's office, right? No, margin would mean I actually got there early. Margin would mean that at the end of the month, you have money left over in your checking account. Does does anybody know what that is? (laughs) This is a a strange creature. I have no, no idea. Margin would be the the distance you put between yourself and the things you know are bad temptations for you. You would put a margin between you. Margin would mean having the emotional capacity to deal with those last-minute projects when your kid comes home and goes, oh, yeah, Mom, this is due tomorrow. Or, oh, my son was the worst. Oh, yeah, Mom, I'm supposed to take food tomorrow. I live 20 minutes out of town. I wasn't just running to Dollar General, you know. I learned real quick to keep stuff for peanut butter fudge in my cabinet for Alex for those moments. Having margin would mean I have time to do my devotional. That doesn't stress me. It means I've got time to spend time with God. That's what margin would mean if we had it. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10 this morning. Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at what it looks like sometimes in life without a healthy margin. Luke chapter 10 verse 38. We've, we've, we know this story. We, we preach it different ways. Verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and and help me out. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. 
So these two women had the same opportunity to create a moment with Jesus. Mary saw the important moment of of being with Jesus by spending time with him. But Martha, she was more distracted. But now she understood this was important. Like, Jesus is visiting, so we need to spend time with Jesus. She invited him to come home with her. She understood the same thing that Mary did. We need to spend time with Jesus, but Jesus said Martha was distracted by the big dinner. Now, anybody knows when you you host something in your home, it's a lot of stress. We're coming up on holiday time again. Holiday time that might be a little different than last year. We actually might see family this year a little more, which means the stress is coming back into holiday time because we might get distracted. Jesus said, you're, you're, you're worried about all these details. Oh, ladies, how many details are there when you know company's coming? You're, you're checking every little thing. Is it dusted? Is it this? Is it is the floor? Is it, you know, so many details that we just run ragged. And I know I'm going to miss my children at holiday times because they were my little minions, you know, when we, we get ready for things. And Thomas is like, yeah, I miss them too. <laughs> But he said, he said, Martha, he said, all these things that you're worried about. But he said, there's one thing, one thing you should be concerned with. And he said, Mary's chosen that one thing. I mean, sure, I know Jesus was thankful for this meal. He wasn't rude. But he didn't care if the plates all matched. He didn't care if, if there was... Seven sides instead of three sides to the meal. He said, I just want to be with you. That's the one thing. Church, if Satan cannot make us really, really bad people, if he can't tempt us into doing things that are really sinful and really bad, do you know what he will do to you? He will make you really, really busy. He will distract you. You're still a good Christian. You're not doing anything wrong, but he'll distract you. You see, the problem is this. Everything on your to-do list is really, really important, right? That's how we feel about it anyway. So many of you will hear this message today. You'll hear it. You may, you may even leave here and, and really meditate on it. You might talk about it with, with others at lunch today. And you think, wow, that, that was powerful. But then most of you do, will do absolutely nothing about it. That's the truth of it. And how do I know? 2020 shut us down. We, we went for weeks and months without all the normal things that we thought was life. Some of us even admit it. I'm sorry, Paula is out back there teaching. I, I told her I, was, I would remind her someday of the video she made because she talked about this very thing of, of how the, the slowdown of everything. And she said, but I know when we start back up, I'll probably just fall back into that, you know? So 2020 shut us down, but and, and we even admitted that, man, it actually was a little bit nice. Like, it was so nice not to have so many appointments, and it was so nice to just not have to be 
at a thousand different places all week. And um, sure, we had our struggles, but I'm talking about that, that relief of the stress that kind of fell off of us because it wasn't our choice, right? We, we had to stay home, so it wasn't even me that had to make the choice. We even spent real time with our family and our kiddos. I'm looking at the spates because I love some of the videos and pictures that they would share about just being outside and just, it was so great. And, and, and moms are saying, nah, it wasn't all that great. I'm seeing Jackie's little smile on here. But you know what I'm getting at. We, we for a moment stepped outside of the norm without everything that was the norm. But then 2021, we're finding ourselves right back into the crazy. And maybe even worse, because now we have this feeling like we have to make up for things we miss somehow. You know, like, I can't miss it because I missed it last year, so I sure can't miss it this year, right? And unfortunately, the one thing that too many did not go back to Look around. Church. And this isn't just us. This isn't just our church. I'm telling you, this is everywhere. This is, this is everywhere that, that churches are feeling this crunch. Like we, we're in this unknown, like, okay, I still can't really ask people to come back if they're not comfortable yet. I got it. I got it. I know. I know. But we're coming to the realization there are people that are not coming back. Why? Most people just sort of fell out of the habit. If it only takes 21 days to make a habit, what does 18 months do to us? We fall out of the habit. What happens with our life, though, if we don't have margin? And again, margin is that excess beyond the necessary. 2020 gave us a a, a lot of margin. Our stress levels went down. Our relationships kind of got better. We actually learned who our neighbors were. We actually got to know more people. Um, but the problem is we, we've sort of started going back to that normal and beyond. And when your margin begins to decrease, your stress begins to increase. It just is what it is. Nobody is superhuman and can handle when, when everything... Let me give you an example. So when we, when we had kids at home, it's always stressful. If you got kids and you're trying to get to church, you know what I is fixing to talk about. Trying to get kids to move on the same pace as you. And so you have mama here who I understand margins because I've learned the lessons over the years. Give yourself a little extra time to get there because there's guaranteed to be a flat some Sunday or, or there's going to be some kind of uh, failure in whatever you picked out to wear. It's too wrinkly. Oh, I had wrinkles this morning like crazy and I was having issues. I've got a new dryer and I can't figure out how to make that silly thing work and get my wrinkles out yet perfectly, you know, that kind of stuff. But when we had kids... I would say, okay, this is when we're leaving. And I'd always have margin built in there. And my kids just thought that margin is being wasted because that's 10 more minutes that I could be sleeping. 
You know, so like for my kids, if you're on time, you're on time. There ain't no other way around it. But then on time always makes you late because there's always something. And the insanity was that I raised my kids for 18 plus years and you would think they would learn the lesson. When mama says we're leaving at nine, we're leaving at nine. No, we didn't. And then what happened to me when the margin began to decrease? Where was my stress levels going? Hey, no, I don't need your help in the back. I'm, I'm, I'm showing them. I'm being honest. Thank you. And then there would be lots of screaming and there would be lots of, and then we walk in the door at church. Hi. It's so good to see everybody. Right? Yeah, I heard those laughs. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When your margin decreases, your stress increases. Another thing, when your margin decreases, your relational intimacy decreases. So all those screaming days coming to church, what did that do between parents and children? You know, I've shared with you guys about our first trip to Disney, and we've got this picture, and we're all smiling, but our memories of it is that we all screamed at each other right before, and then Mama put her foot down and said, put a smile on your face because we're at Disney, and let's take this picture. You know? So that's our memory. We, we know the real story to that picture. We smiled because Mama was about to rip our heads off, you know? Why? Because margin was decreasing, And the stress was increasing. And so busy schedules. What happens when everybody's busy? How fun is it in your house? When you're, especially if you're crisscrossing and doing different things and everybody's running out the door. (laughs) Margin decreases, stress increases. What about your intimacy? This isn't just with people. What happens to your intimacy with God? Because as your margin decreases, all of a sudden you don't have time to spend, you know, used to it was like you had devotionals, and then they came up with the 10-minute devotional, then they came up with the 5-minute devotional, they're down to a 1-minute devotional, and now there's just, hey, take a card and just read a scripture, would you? You know? (laughs) Why? Margin began to decrease in our life. And our intimacy with God begins to decrease when that begins to happen. Over and over this past week, person after person, I kept hearing, I'm tired. I'm tired. I said it this week to one of my mentors, I'm just, (laughs) I'm tired. Teachers, it's just September. I'm tired. (laughs) Administrators, I'm tired. Healthcare workers, we're exhausted. (laughs) We can't do this anymore. And what did Jesus tell us about being tired? Matthew chapter 11. 11 verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Come to me. Jesus is begging us. Come to me. Every time you you say those words, I'm tired, Jesus says, come to me. I'm just tired, Lord. Let me teach you. Let me teach you how to handle this. You see, building margin back into our lives and our schedules is a real thing. Because I'm going to guess that not many of us sitting here have true margin in your life. You haven't really stayed between the lines. Ephesians 5 tells us, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. There's one little word. No. If we could learn to say no to things, then we could give our best yes. Anybody who in here did our book study, The Best Yes? Do you all remember that one, The Best Yes? We did this book study called The Best Yes, and it talked to us about saying no to good things so that you had that margin to say yes to the best things in life. We live in this culture called FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's not just, I used to say it was a teen thing, our teens did it, and it drove us absolutely, because we saw sort of this, this change. When you've been in ministry for over 20 years in teen ministry, you see changes. You get to really see the changes being made. And we saw this change where kids would say, yeah, I want to go on that trip, and here's my forms, and here's, you know, and then two days before the trip, ah, I can't go. Well, you know I can't refund your money, right? Yeah, that's okay. I can't go. And it most always was just because something else came up that they thought was going to be a better thing. Fear of missing out. In adults, I feel like it plays out more along the line. We just don't want to let people down. And we don't want to miss things. Like, because everybody's doing it, right? So we have to say yes. We, we think we have to give our kids everything we missed. And I think that's natural. Like, my parents wanted to give me more than what they had, you know, give me opportunities that they didn't have the same opportunities. We sort of felt that way, too. But you have to always consider all the ripple effects of what you're doing. One thing my son will always hold against me his senior year, he wanted to join cheerleading. So, Miss Jeanette, if, if you're watching this ever, it was really Mama that said no. Because I sat down and I considered what our schedules already look like. I sat down and considered him being a senior and preparing for college, and there was going to be events he needed to go to that, you know, pertain to college and scholarship opportunities, those kind of things. Looked at the finances of adding one more something that I would have to buy things. But then I also knew, I thought, I know, but then they also do all that fundraising. There's more time spent in there. 
And I finally told him, I said, no, son, this, we, we can't. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to have to tell you no, because number one, I just thought with Alex, he just, fear of missing out. He does a lot of things, you know. Um, and so I told him no. And I, I actually moved on. He really didn't say anything else after that. It, you know, we went on about our business. That boy still brings it up now. Well, Mama, you remember, I wanted to do, you know. So, and it made me think, because even when I rationalized a yes or a no, because, I mean, could I technically have squeezed it in? Yeah, probably. But as your margin decreases, your stress increases. And those are real things to consider when we're figuring out a yes or a no. We think that we should be doing what everyone else is doing. But can we be honest? Your bank account may not look like their bank account. Your schedule may not look like their schedule. You may have uh, Elling parents that you're having to take care of that they don't have to deal with. How many of you have ever driven a vehicle that is out of alignment? What happens when a, a car or truck is out of alignment? It pulls, right? It, it, it tends to pull one way or the other, right? And, and, then, and then you're just fighting to keep it on, on the center. Well, culture has a way of throwing life out of alignment on what God intended us to be like. And we're constantly drifting the way culture pulls us, and God wants us to center back up. And if, you, if you've ever driven a vehicle for long enough that's out of alignment, it wears you out. You can't ever just sort of relax, because then you're hitting the rumble strip the whole time. Culture has a way of throwing us out of alignment. We think we're living the dream, by the way. Like, you won't realize that you're out of alignment sometimes. Until maybe you hear a message like this. And it makes you start thinking about some of the choices. But how many of us at the end of the day, when you're living the dream, life is good, how many of us have this thought? Oh, if I just had more hours in my day. Like you lay your head on the pillow, and it's not even for a full eight hours, by the way. And you're already thinking about when that alarm goes off. And, and you're not even starting with a fresh sticky note, are you? You're, you're, you're thinking of what you didn't finish on today's sticky note that you're going to start tomorrow with. This is why Romans 12 and 2 tells us not to conform to the world any longer, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Because if we just sort of glide through life, just kind of every opportunity is an opportunity, we've got to take it. Your margin begins to decrease. And stress is going to increase. That's why Jesus in that chapter 11, he said, let me teach you children. 
God, we're just so tired. We can't keep up. Like, God, I'm doing good things. I'm not even doing bad things. But I'm just so tired. Many of you are going to hear this, though. You're going to hear this today, and you're still going to keep living out life out of alignment. Let me remind you, busyness does not equal productivity. Oh, do you know those people that they can always look busy, but it feels like they just don't ever get anything done? Right? Busyness is not productivity. Busyness does not equal importance. You know, that's, that's one of those traps we fall into. If I say yes to this, I kind of feel more important. I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm kind of pleased that they asked me to do this. Right? Busyness does not equal meaning. I really think this is why a lot of the margin gets taken up in our life. Because we truly are searching for meaning. We're, we're searching for acceptance. We're searching for someone to approve of me, like me, love me. So yeah, 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 I'll do that. I'll do that. Busyness does not equal a good life. Somewhere in high school, I don't remember the first time, but I remember somewhere I went past that red line. I didn't hyphenate. I, 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 you know what? The teacher, she didn't mark it red. <laughs> she didn't. It was okay. You know what happened? Next time I, I did two lines that way. I just, I keep inching over, right? So I could get more words on the page, right? Oh, you know, you know those troublemakers like we got in the back and, and teachers give them those sentences, I will not talk in class, right? And they wanted to fit as many words on that one page as they could, right? Somewhere I, I figured out that I could get by with it. Well, somewhere in your schedule, you added one more thing. Like you even, you even kind of had that thought, I'm not, I'm not sure if I can do this, but I, I think I have time. So you added one thing. All right, I did it. I didn't really lose my mind over it, okay. But then you added another. You added a, another. And another. And all of a sudden, you're running out the door, constantly on the go, Getting fussed at by Patricia because you haven't caught up on your Bible reading. You know I gotta bring this up every week because I'm guilty of it. I tried this week. By the way, the week, the one day I said, hey, I'm back. I even put it on the wrong day. It wasn't Wednesday reading. It was supposed to be Thursday reading. So there you go. That's how to, that's how out of alignment I am, right? But do you hear me, church? We keep adding things in the margins. Till all of a sudden our intimate time with God, man, it's just a, a fleeting moment. It's you just driving down the road, and that's the only time you can find with God. And that's not a bad thing. I do that. I know we live in an area where we do a lot of driving, and, and that's some of my best time to listen to Scripture or, or do just praise music and, and sing at the top of my lungs. But, but we have this thought when this happens, as, as that margin begins to decrease, and, and we even can feel the spirit kind of nicking at us about it, right? Like, oh, you're just too busy. I know, I know, I know. And, and, and if I can just get this one thing done, I'll, I'll, I'll make it right. I'll, I'll get back. I'll, 
I'll be okay, right? But all of a sudden, your schedule's so packed with that if one thing goes wrong in life, it feels like it flips your world upside down because there's no room. There's no room for somebody to get sick. There's no room for somebody to pass away right now. There is no room for my kid to get quarantined and sent home, and I've got to figure out what to do with that. Because our schedules get so packed. All of a sudden, you're saying, I'm tired. And it's because you lost that intentional time of rest God has tried to build into our world. Remember when Jesus said, let me teach you. In other words, he, he reminds us, God worked six days, and then he did what? Rest. Do y'all know what that word is? Does anybody in this room know what that word is? Because see, again, margin began to decrease in our lives. I mean, one more thing, just, just one more thing. And again, this is one of those things I've observed, even not being in church my life. I always knew Wednesdays and Sundays, we just didn't do sports. I didn't know why. I actually asked that question, I think, when I was in high school, when we had a tournament and somebody said, well, you know we're not going to play on Wednesday, so it'll probably be Thursday. I said, why wouldn't we play on Wednesday? Well, that's church day. Oh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that. But that's the truth of anybody... I remember as a kid, man, if you needed something from the store on Saturday, you better get there before noon because it was going to shut down at noon. Y'all remember those days? And then, okay, remember that margin thing? Well, let's see if we can stay open all day Saturday. Okay. But boy, you sure you got your gas on Saturday because that station was closed on Sunday. But then all of a sudden somebody stepped out and said, well, let's do Sunday too. And then we became a 24-7, seven days a week, 365-day-a-year people. But church, we're not citizens of this world. And God did not intend us to live that way. He intended for us to find moments of rest. And Sabbath is not just about sleeping in. It's about having time with God. It's about letting him refresh you in a way the world cannot do it. It's intentional. Part of the problem is, though, we feel too important about ourselves. We think the world can't turn without us. Oh, no, I can't take that day off, you know, because I've got this, this, this. And, and maybe I'm talking to my, my, my farmers and, and I know, I know that schedule, but God does too. He, he knows how the world he created works. And he still wants us to find a day of rest every week. It's to rest our bodies. It's to rest our minds. It's to refresh our souls. But we have to be intentional about doing that. Too many of us have taken a day of rest and you have reduced it down to one hour in church and called it Sabbath. That's not what he intended. That is never what he intended. 
Not if you're going to leave here and jump right back into your to-do list today. This is why I don't, I don't mind that we don't do Sunday nights anymore because I want you to reclaim a time with your family and a time of you just being able to rest. I remember Diane and I used to have this conversation when we did Monday, uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night. We were exhausted, wasn't we? We were exhausted when you're trying to do both. And the problem became it was the same five people that showed up here and at night. So why are we exhausting ourselves just because of tradition that God didn't create? Now for me, Sabbath looks a little different because this is my work day. Thomas and I have an ongoing uh, um, ha-ha every Saturday night because he says, hey, did you set your alarm? And I say, oh, and I roll over and I set my alarm. And we call this my work day. You know, because I'm the one that gets us out of bed and we have to go to church. I was talking to Dr. Samples. I, I take webinars with him on Zoom. And I thanked him Friday in our little one-on-one -on -one mentoring time. And I said, thank you for the one we did last spring, just as COVID is kicking off. And I said, it was Dangerously Tired was the title of it. And he reminded us pastors how important Sabbath was. Did you hear me? He reminded us pastors, the ones who should be teaching you, he was reminding us how important Sabbath was because we're the world's worst at not stopping because there's just always something to do, always somebody to check on, always, you know, and that's not a bad thing. It's just that's who we are. And it was overwhelming that I would say 90% of us on that Zoom admitted that we did not take Sabbath on a regular weekly basis. And so he began to encourage us. And I shared with you all about that during Lent time. He began to encourage us pastors to find that Sabbath. So for me, normally either Monday or a Friday becomes my Sabbath. I like Monday because it takes, it gives me a time to kind of decompress after today's message to refresh before I step into the next week. And I also like Monday because it only takes one phone call to totally wreck my whole week of what my schedule was supposed to be, right? And so I feel like I need to take that Sabbath first. So he taught us, and I told him Friday, I said, Dr. Samples, I said, I honestly believe this to my core. And he, you know, this was something he put together way before COVID hit. I said, speaking for myself only, what we've been through this past year and a half, I don't know if I would have made it through it had you not pressed us to reclaim our Sabbath. Because I would have been so mentally exhausted. Because basically he taught us to be okay with disconnecting. Like he said, I know it's hard when you think of that one text. I'll just send that one text. Mm. One text always leads to 20 for me, just so y'all know. <laughs> because I think of that one person. Well, I, I checked on them. I need to check on this person. You know? And there has been weeks, and here recently, after everything with Ann and Carol, I did. I just had to totally disconnect. Because he reminded us, he said, you're doing it for your health, you're doing it for your family, and you're doing it for your congregation. Because you can't love them 
if you're dry and empty. Church, you can't properly love your family if you're dry and empty. If you're not taking time to take back the margins in your life. How do we how do we do that? How do we make a change? What First of all, let me ask you, what is the most important thing in your life? And stop before you think it. Don't tell me it's God if it's the last thing you put in your schedule. If God has become the last thing we make room for in our time, whether that's on Sunday morning or Monday morning, for devotion time, or Monday night, maybe you're a night person, if God has become the last thing that is irremovable, you can't move it, like you know I'm blocking it out. If you are a scheduler, oh, Mandy James, you're at home with your sticky notes. If you are a scheduler, you know about blocking out. Teachers, you know about blocking out. This week, this is what we study. This is what we are doing. What is the most important thing in your life? I challenge you this week. Here's your homework. See, I didn't even think about it. You have homework. Sorry, Dalton, you really have homework. Look at it, he's about to cry. I challenge you this week to begin to look at your schedule. Look at your time. I want you to... First of all, if you you had that thought, God's the most important thing, then I want you to block out time for God. In other words, Sunday is Sunday. Sunday is like, I know I'm going to church. Boom. Or maybe you're like, okay, Tuesdays, I know I've got to be at that book study. We're, we're, I know it. Boom. Even block out down to, even if you've got to start over and say, okay, I'm going to block out five minutes. I know the first five minutes when I get up is my time to read the Word before I do anything else. Block it out. I want you to to block out real sleep time. You see, because as our margin decreases, a lot of times so does our sleep time. Because it starts creeping in, right? And, And then I want you to block out family time. What is your family time? And that may be something you've never thought about. Like, I don't know. So what is your your family time? Honest, uninterrupted. This is time that I'm going to focus on my spouse or I'm going to focus on my kids. Maybe that's 30 minutes a day. Maybe that's an hour a day. Some of y'all just look panicked, like I have to spend that much time with my spouse. Yes, Jenkins household, y'all have to watch TV in the same room for 30 minutes. Look at them. They already looking at each other with snarls. We're going to have some counseling next week. I want you to block out what your work schedule looks like. I really want you to write this stuff down and look at it. Because what I want you to see is I want you to be honest. These are sort of the necessities. A Sabbath, a time with God in there. You've got time that you're actually sleeping Preferably even eating, but I know some of y'all eat on the go. I know my husband, he's usually chomping on a sandwich or whatever, talking down the road as he calls me on a lunch break. But sleeping, family time, and work time. These are, these are sort of the, 
the big ones. These are the things that maybe you don't have all the control over, right? Like you, you don't set what time to clock in and clock out. But when you do this, then I want you to look at your schedule and I want you to be honest. Do I really have time for all the other stuff that I keep squeezing in the margin? Because see, a lot of times when we answer yes or no to questions for for doing things, we do it out of a good heart. Yeah, I want to help you. Yeah, I can do that. Yes, I know. I have that ability. That's sort of what I'm good at. I can do that. But we've never looked at our time to say, no, because, man, I would take up that last margin that I just can't. I don't think I can. It, it would ripple effect. It would begin to take away from family time. It would begin to take away from sleep. It would begin to take away from God. And then remember to say, it's okay to say no. Margin is not a given in life. Staying between the lines is something you have to take back. It's a time that we relearn what it means for those margins. Because when you have margin, when you remember to keep it, okay, somebody's sick. I can deal with that. Okay, it, it's, it's something came up at work, and, and, and I can deal with that. I can deal with that. There's always going to be something in life that happens, Right? But it didn't touch the important things in life. It didn't take away my God time. It didn't take away my family time. I'm still sleeping pretty decently because I left margin for those things to happen. Your life will begin to look different than everybody else's, let me warn you. But that's okay because I can promise you this. You will have dividends start showing up in your life. Your marriage, whether you believe me or not, it will get better. When you're being intentional to make room for your spouse, that they're not just the last thing. You know, sometimes sometimes spouses, and, and this is men and women, we're pretty bad about putting off what our spouse needs from us because we're so busy with everything else. It's kind of like a plumber, the last place they fix everything is at their own house, right? Are electricians that way too, Bo? <laughs> I can't see Bo, he ducked down. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? Sometimes we're so busy, everybody else in the margins we filled up, we're giving all we've got to them, you don't have anything left at home. So. If you make these adjustments, your marriage is going to start improving, I promise. Your family, your relationships with your family, it's going to get better. Your, your finances, huh, I, even, I even want to go there. Your finances will probably get better if you're just not go, 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 going. One thing 2020 taught me, I travel a lot. <laughs> I eat out a lot. <laughs> and that, my taxes are going to look so much different in 21 than it did 20. 
because I stayed home all last year, right? Fuel went down. Eating out went down. Moms, those of us that we work, all of a sudden, I got time to come home and throw something in an Instapot instead of saying, hey, Thomas, it's your turn to cook. And when I say that, Thomas stops at KFC, and that's what we get for supper. But margin gives you time to make plans, to think ahead. And another guarantee, if this is the first thing you block out, your spiritual walk is going to get a lot better. Lord, I'm tired. I know, my child. Let me teach you. Stand with me, church. These altars are open this morning. If even one thing spoke truth to you today. Dear Heavenly Father, we stand before you, a people that I know we love you. And we are so thankful for everything you've done in our life. But God, I know that we're also a tired people. And I know, Lord, that sometimes circumstances around us, we can't control those things. God, we can't control a pandemic. We can't control the, the measures we have to, to be mindful of right now. Lord, we, we, those are things out of our control. But God, there are things that it's all on us. Maybe we've said too many yeses where there should have been a few noes. Maybe we thought, Lord, that it was something that was going to be good for our family, but God, if it's taking me away from my family. And God, it's, it's, it's good things. I'm, I'm doing this for you, but God is screaming at us, but there's one thing. And Mary, she knows what it is. Lord, convict our hearts today. Let your Holy Spirit speak to your people. Hmm. And maybe it's just a season, Lord, that, that someone is going through. It really is something happening they can't control. It wasn't expected and, and they're dealing with it. Then maybe in this season they need to pull back and increase those margins. Father, speak to your people. But God, I bind the voices that are going to immediately come in and, and begin to tear down what is said in your word today, Lord, that... There's one thing, yeah, but there's one other thing, but there's one other, no, there's one thing. And God, if, if we get nothing else out of this today, may it be that we remember the one thing is Jesus Christ. The one thing is spending time with you, Father. Because our only hope is in you. This world will not make me happy. People cannot even make me happy, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My hope is found in you and you alone. And may we begin to reclaim that. And may we begin to reclaim our life and our families and creating margin around us that gives us space. So that as the, the margin increases, stress can decrease, Lord. Speak to your people. Father, we love you. We thank you for not just dying on a cross for us, but you're still here with us. And you still speak to us and want to teach us. And as we begin to stand against not conforming to this world, but letting you renew our minds, 
May we leave this place and walk it out now, day by day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family, have a beautiful day of rest with your family and loved ones and go be a blessing to others. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.